In this episode of the Data Career Podcast, I interview Kadisha Bryan, who is the creator of Data in Motion, a senior data engineer at Booz Allen Hamilton, and used to be a data science intern at Humu, about everything about breaking into data analytics. She's one of the former students of the Data Analytics Accelerator. So we talk a little bit about that, how I helped her in her journey, but also how she really helped herself in her journey by having killer networking skills, doing coffee chats, sending cold messages, and having a great portfolio. I think you guys are gonna love this episode. This is the Data Career Podcast. Welcome to the Data Career Podcast, the podcast that helps aspiring data professionals land their next data job. Here's your host, Avery Smith. Welcome back to another episode of the Data Career Podcast, everyone. I am here today with an awesome guest, Kadisha Bryan. If you guys don't know Kadisha, she's awesome. We'll have her LinkedIn profile in the description down below. She's currently a senior data engineer working at Booz Allen Hamilton. She was a production supervisor in the United States Navy, so she is a veteran, and I love veterans, so thank you for your service, Kadisha. She upskilled herself while working in a warehouse, which is really awesome. She was a data science intern at Humu, and one of the coolest things she's done is tripled her income in less than 18 months. Kadisha, welcome to the Data Career Podcast. Thank you so much, Avery. Glad to be here. I'm stoked to have you here because we've been friends for, I don't even know exactly, like a year and a half. Yeah, I actually joined DCJ like October 21, so. Yeah, about a year and a half then. That That's awesome. And kadisha has gone and gone on to do awesome things in her career. Like I said, she's currently a senior data engineer with Booz Allen Hamilton, runs this Data in Motion, which is an awesome data community. She was a data science intern at Humu. And just a really good wealth of, you know, transitioning into the data world. Because like I said, you know, she has these cool roles right now, but she wasn't always in the data world. She was in the Navy for a little bit. So you want to tell us a little bit about what you did in the Navy and I guess how you got to where you're at today? So in the Navy, I started off as a calibration technician. So very hands-on technical. Uh, then I moved up into production supervisor. And then right before or after I left in 2020, I went back into school and I was expecting to walk into $100,000 jobs, and that just did not happen. So I just went back into went back into school and started delivering pizzas for Domino's. I was doing that for about a few months, then started delivering packages for Amazon, and then did that for a few months and started working at the warehouse. Yeah. The Amazon warehouse or just what, what type of warehouse? Oh, it was a alcohol distributor. So very heavy, just imagine big wine cases, alcohol cases. So doing that for 10, 12 hours a day. That sounds exhausting. It was exhausting. I was in great shape. I appreciated that, but otherwise it was terrible. Yeah, I can imagine. It's actually funny. We were going to have another one of our, uh, one, another one of the DCJ students on, his name's Andrew Lujan. And he recently just landed his first data job as a data analyst. And he was, I guess, kind of on the delivery side of the alcohol distribution, but he was lifting heavy stuff and taking them to, I don't know, different distilleries or wineries or bars or whatever. And anyway, it's kind of funny. You guys have that similar background. Okay. But obviously you're a data engineer now, so probably less have I guess still heavy lifting, but just heavy lifting in the data, not heavy lifting in the physical labor. Is that right? Correct. Definitely mentally. It's like heavy mental lifting, I would say. It's, uh, 
Yeah. Headlifts for mental stuff. Yeah. Okay. Now walk us through that journey a little bit. How did you get from, you know, delivering pizza dominoes to landing a senior data engineering position? Okay. So I first learned about the data engineering space, I would say maybe like spring 21 when I was discussing it with a professor, because I was like trying to figure out what are some good job opportunities for me. And she mentioned data analytics. So I researched it, went on Google. I think my first month was trying to decipher the difference between a data scientist and data analyst. Then I settled on analyst. I self-studied for summer of 21, uh, pretty much SQL, Tableau, some Power BI, created a decent portfolio. And then in the midst of while I was doing that, I was also working at the warehouse the 10 to 12 hours a day. And the thing about that warehouse gig, it was like a bait and switch. And I eventually just quit with no backup plan. And I started studying data for about six hours a day six days a week, just because I loved it so much. It was just really cool to finally find something where I can learn and get better at something, you know, on my own without having to like, you know, in school or pay tuition or things like that. So it was just a really cool field to get into. And I knew internships were starting to, were going to pop up late or early August. So I was preparing for that. I applied, I got my resume beefed up pretty much, and I got my first gig at Cox Communications. I did that. And while doing that, also found DCJ and started doing a lot more upskilling in my free time and started doing a lot of networking also in 2022, so last year. And so during that time, you actually hit me up at some point and said, if I saw some like job that Mark Freeman posted in the DCJ Discord, and then you actually ended up getting both of us to talk. And basically I submitted my information and I applied to it. I got the job and I was able to start in, I'd say the fall of last year. And so while I was doing that, I was also networking like ridiculously the entire time. So I was having coffee chats at least twice a week, sometimes way more than that. I, my thing was I wanted to learn from people who were way more advanced than me. I want to learn from people who were steps ahead than me and know exactly how they got there and what I need to do to get there. And so with that type of approach, I never really approached them with the idea of I'm hoping to get a job from them, but, you know, eventually they would think about me for, you know, roles or opportunities. And it was, it was just insane to me. So it was really like crazy networking, crazy upskilling, Sometime last year, someone posted about something about Booz Allen in my veterans data science group and veterans data science and machine learning score group. And I applied for it and I got the gig. So I was, it's crazy. Like my past two jobs, it spurned out of a discord, spurned out of a discord, spurned out of networking. It's insane. So that's how I got this job. So that's like a kind of a, in a nutshell, how I got here. I love it. Thank you. Thank you for that summary. That was really great. There's a lot of stuff that I want, I want to dive a little bit deeper into. And I'm going to start, sometimes I build up when I do these podcasts, like we build up to kind of the advice at the end, but I kind of want to reverse that with you. So you did two coffee chats a week. Tell us like, do you think that was worth it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 
absolutely worth it. Honestly, I think a lot of people like they'll focus on, you know, followers or things like that when posting on LinkedIn, but it's like the, it's the networking or the folks that you're talking to behind the scenes. That's really where your real network is built. So it was exhausting at times. There were times where I kind of overbooked myself, but I've advanced way faster and much more quicker than had I just tried to be to myself and not network. Yeah. I think network is really key. I mean, that's one of the things I really believe in. And one of the things why I think data career jumpstart is a little bit different, you know, and the SPN method skills, portfolio, network, you have to have all three because the networking is what ends up landing you both your jobs kind of at the end of the day. Right. And it's like, you can spend all this time applying to jobs. You could spend all this time, filling out all these applications, perfecting your resume, all that stuff. But if you don't have that, that could lead you nowhere. But a lot of the times the network is actually what leads you to the promised land at the end of the day. I'm reading a message that I sent to you on March 29th, 2022 with, I guess your kind of former boss. (laughs) And I basically introduced you to Mark because you were doing awesome things for me and you're doing awesome things for your fellow students in my program and my community. And so I introduced you to Mark. And then you ended up landing that job at Humu. And anyways, it's just crazy to me. Like you, you could have had the world's best resume, but if you weren't networking, people don't really know or don't really care. Right. Absolutely. I tell people a big thing about networking is that there's a, like I saw my favorite Ted talk. It's about something about the differences between a sponsor, a coach and a mentor and sponsors are folks that in rooms that you're not in. They and opportunities are being brought up. These are people who speak your name, right? So you want folks like that on your side. And you're not going to get that if you're not networking and building those relationships. Um, so like I said, like that stuff was easy. I didn't really have to, I mean, I skipped the recruiter, you know, I skipped a lot of steps doing that. And if you put yourself out there, just like you, if, if I, even if I was in your cohort and, you know, I wasn't really putting myself out there, you wouldn't have thought of me for that opportunity. Cause I think one thing that people don't realize, like you're not going to put up anyone for, you know, referring things or for referring jobs. You're going to put up, you know, people that you think would actually do a good job, you know, in the interview or would be good for the job. So yeah, you really want those sponsors in your life who speak, who speak your name in rooms that you're not in and opportunities are brought up. Yeah. It's a good point. Cause even if you have, the network, you have to have some substance behind it because especially with that job opening, that was my friend, Mark, right? And I want to have a good relationship with Mark. I don't want him. I don't want to waste his time. I don't want to send him someone that's going to be causing trouble or just be a waste of an interview, right? So you're definitely right that like I had a bunch of people in my program and, and you were the, the person I chose for that one because I was like, I trust Kadisha's ready for this. I think she would do a good job. I think she'd, she'd make me look good. She'd make the program look good. So you're definitely right. It's about networking and you have to have substance behind it as well. Now, going in back to the coffee chats, one thing that I think a lot of my students inside of the data analytics accelerator program are nervous about is it kind of seems like coffee chats can sometimes be one-sided, like you're just asking them to help you. So can you tell us a little bit about your mindset that you went into these coffee chats and like what type of like thing, like how would you even ask to do a coffee chat? Yeah, that's a good one. So One thing that I've learned is that people are more than willing to help you, but you do have to present it in a good way. So I would try to find some sort of like common ground that you have between that person. So like, for example, when I was at Cox Communications, it was, I would first reach out to people at the company and say, Hey, I work here and I'd like to speak to you, you know, a general thing like that. 
if I would also go to like my alma mater, so folks that went to Kennesaw State, I can, you know, you can uh, filter it down and find people who work, maybe like a data scientist or things like that and say, hey, I went to your alma mater or I went to Kennesaw State just like you. I'd like to talk to you. This is a field that I'm trying to get into. Try to find those common grounds and you realize people do want to help you. But if you approach it in a sort of way that you're not really interested in that person, you're just interested in them trying to get you a job, I feel like it's not going to work. But if you come across in a way where you're really interested in who they are, what they did to get to where they're at, and try to find a common ground between that person, you're going to get a lot of yeses, in my opinion. It's hard, it's hard for people to not say to say no to that. Yeah, I feel like most of the time the answer is yes or an ignore <laughs> or like a, just like a no reply. So really, that's all you have to lose is you, if you ask for a coffee chat, you're either going to get a yes or you're going to get an ignore and the ignores don't really matter. And the yes can be you know almost life changing at the end of the day. And I think you're right that people are more willing to help than you think, especially if you have that, you know, if you went to the same school, if you are from the same hometown. There's, I don't know, like our tribal instincts kick back in and we're like, yes, this person belongs to the same group that I belong to. I want to help them the most I can, especially if you put it in a way that it's like, you're not even asking for anything. You just want to hang out. But then what happens is, like you said earlier, you're on their mind of when a job opening pops up. Oh my gosh, I talked to Kadisha a couple of weeks ago. She'd be a great candidate. Uh, for this role. And you really, the name of the game of that is just being top of mind for when opportunities pop up. Oh yeah. I remember this person. They'd be a good fit. Absolutely. And I don't think people really think about it that way or if they're scared about networking, but honestly, that's way better than trying to apply to 50, 500 plus job applications. Because the thing is you want to put the ownership in your court. You want to put the power in your court. And if you just rely on, you know, applying to random jobs or just LinkedIn or Indeed or whatever job platform site, honestly, like the odds are not really in your favor and you know, the power is not on your side and you're really leaving your success up to just complete chance. So why not put the ball into your court and put the power on your side and actually just you know, really get over your anxieties and meet people. It's really not that bad, honestly. And I'm an introvert. So. Yeah, exactly. It's almost easier than applying for all those jobs in the black hole. You know, one thing I was mentioning was I've been doing this webinar where I'm talking about the SPN method. And for the networking section, I have this poll that I screenshotted from my friend, Jordan Nelson. And he did two polls a row in a day. And the first one was, you know, how do you try to get a job? And 80% of people said that they go to portals and they apply. And the next day he said, how did you get your last job? And 66% of people said it was either through a recruiter or through a referral. And that the whole point is like everyone's spending 80% of their time in the job portals, but that leads to only a third of the actual jobs. The majority of the jobs, two thirds of the jobs are from recruiting and from the referrals. And so it's like, you should probably put your eggs in that basket, at least, you know, instead of going 80, 20 on the job portal, make it 50, 50, you know, apply to a job, send a cold message, apply to a job, send the cold message. And just test it yourself. This isn't, you know, Kadisha and I aren't saying, you know, buy our snake oil here. It's you can go do this, you know, in the next two weeks, go try, apply to a job in a portal and then try cold messaging someone. Do that. I don't know, a couple of times and see what has better results. Cause I don't, at least for me and Kadisha, it's been, it's not been the job portals. It's been the, the network part of it. Okay. That's really cool. Now tell us a little bit more. So you're doing these coffee chats. Was there one that like, 
that like you found particularly that was really impactful or they were all, were they all kind of useful in their own little way? Oh, wow. I'm going to say the latter, to be honest with you. I can't pinpoint one right now that was, depending on where I was at the time, would dictate the type of questions I was asking. You know, so I remember this time a year ago, I was asking, you know, I was thinking about, oh, what type of jobs would I like to do? And I was talking to like analytics engineers, data scientists, product managers, and ask them all these types of questions in terms of, hey, what do you do on the job? And what are maybe top skills that I should focus on and learn to get to where you're at? Then later on, it was going on more so of, you know, maybe how to like advance in the field and stuff like that. So honestly, every single one of them were impactful at the time. Can't think of one that was better than the other. Okay. I like that. Tell us like, what's your opinion on skills? You're one of the, you know, the people who have touched their hands on many skills in the data field, like technologies, tools, I guess is what I'm talking about. What have you found that you actually use on a day-to-day -day basis? And what have you found that you don't actually use that maybe people are like, you have to learn this. And then you never even use it. Oh, wow. I mean, I don't really use Excel that much. I haven't really used Excel that much, but I'm not the type that says you shouldn't use Excel. I just feel like in my jobs, I didn't really had to use it. What did I you use at Cox? Mostly SQL, Python, some Excel, mostly Tableau. Just like a little bit of Excel, but you know, I've never really had to use any of the formulas and things like that. I kind of consider that Cox like co-op or internship you did your first data job. And then the Humu one, your second data job, and then the senior data engineer, kind of your third. So it makes sense, especially in the second and third, that you're probably not using Excel as much. But that's kind of good to know. In your first one, you were using Tableau, SQL, a little bit of Python. Right. I actually then, learned Python at, in my first job. Oh, you did? So it, it yeah. was like an important part of it then. That's I learned on the job, though. I didn't know it before I got there. You were getting paid to learn Python? Is that what you mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. I did yeah, that's what I've been trying to tell people because, I mean, I don't know about you. I love Python. It's my favorite tool, but it is not an easy tool to learn. And I feel like if you're learning it from scratch before you're trying to land your first data job, it's going to take you a while. And it's not necessarily even necessary to know Python before that first data job. So if you can be like Kadisha and figure out how to get paid to learn Python on the job, chef's kiss right there. That's how we do it. Okay. And then as at Humu, I'm guessing more Python because that was a data science internship. Yes, most definitely Python and SQL. It was like, a, I would say it was like an analytics engineer type of gig or type of job. So mostly Python and SQL. And the thing is, I was, I was, it was assumed that I was supposed to know SQL. It was assumed that I was supposed to know Python. And I didn't really use the Python and SQL I used at that job. I never really used it that way at Cox. So had I not upskilled in my free time, I, was, I wouldn't have been qualified for the position pretty much. Mm. So it was, it was like different SQL and different Python. Correct. Yeah. And that's something that's been interesting about watching Kadisha's career is she has, I mean, you're, I think you're all, you're well past your first data job. I mean, you have a senior title now, right? I do. Yeah. Yeah. So you're well past your first data job. So I think perspectives change as you go past your first data job and things get a little bit, I mean, you grow as you get these jobs, right? Like your first data job, you're always going to be better after you've spent a couple months to a year there. And then you're always going to be learning new things. And now you're to the point where, you know, you're not only a senior title, but data engineering is like a very developing field and constantly you can't even, if you stop learning in data engineering, you're useless in months. So you've really gotten that work habit and that skills 
of like actually like learning on your own and putting in the time. Right? Absolutely. And I'm also learning that within like data engineering and like whether, whether it's data science, there's like different like sub roles as well. So like analytics, engineering or whatever it is, but there's like different areas of type of focus. So it's pretty cool to also see that too. But it's, not, it's one of those things that you don't, you're not really going to get until you're like actually in or actually getting a job and actually see that. So I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about when you were trying to land your first job or maybe trying to land your second job. Did you ever feel like giving up? No, absolutely not. Really? Tell us more about that. I mean, honestly, I feel like maybe it was the networking and honestly talking to people and getting that like feedback. If I was not networking, then you're not getting like any feedback. Let's say if I was not networking and say I was just like going through like a year of applying and just getting constant rejection, that'd be pretty tough. Can't say I would have quit at that moment, but or at that point, but that would have been pretty tough. But when you're networking and you're constantly getting like good feedback, I mean, technically I secured the Humu job several months before it started. So, I mean, I just felt pretty... Uh, fortunate to be in positions where even when I was looking for something, it didn't take that long for me to get something, but that's mainly because of the networking. So because of that, I would say overall, I never wanted to quit. I will say though, at some points when it came down to like, maybe like a data scientist job, at some points I, I felt like, wow, maybe this ain't for me. Maybe I should go to the other side because there's just so much to learn and so much to learn. And sometimes these job descriptions for data scientists jobs specifically can look pretty, pretty overwhelming and intimidating. Totally. That makes sense. Yeah. I think you brought up a good point that it's, you know, finding a data job is hard, but if you have that network, it makes it a lot easier. And you might be thinking, well, I don't have the network. It's I didn't plant my tree. The best time to plant your tree or grow your network was, you know, a year ago, but the next best time is today. Right. So you might have had that advantage over some other people that, you know, didn't have as strong as a network that you did, or maybe were scared to do it. So that's a really good insight that, that the network and the people around you made that whole journey easier for you than it might've other been, might've been otherwise. I think that's impactful. I think people should really pay attention to that because it, I mean, everything, I mean, imagine, especially in today's day and age when we're mostly, you know, doing these job applications online, imagine learning on your own. I mean, there's awesome resources to learn online, both paid and free, but once again, you're by yourself, then just applying to job after job by yourself and getting rejected by yourself. That probably wouldn't feel pretty good, but you didn't have to happen to have that experience. No, I did not. That's good. That's from networking mostly. Yeah, that's awesome. And let's talk about quickly, because when you joined my program, you had joined some other programs previously that you were not as big of a fan of. We'll let them name remain nameless, but tell me what you liked about my program as opposed to other things that you had done previously. So I would say most courses, like it's not really much interaction with the person who made it. And DCJ was the first course, like I joined when you were doing the hackathon as well. And so it was the first course I joined where, wow, there's a lot of interaction with the person who created the course. Wow. This is like, you, you were like a legit, like data mentor to like all of us in the community, you know, we're able to like ask you questions. You're providing great feedback. The projects that you had set up was really cool. The main thing was like the interaction with you and like the back and forth. That's not really, you don't really find that in most courses. It's usually, hey, here's like a you know, five track course or 
set of courses and a community that's not really that, you know, helpful. So I would say the interaction and the real community aspect is what made the big difference. I'm so glad to hear that because that's one of the things I try to be like more active. Like for instance, I just taught, I don't even know if you knew this, but I just taught at MIT. I taught data engineering for a year and a third. And no one ever gets to talk to the professors, not even me. Like the professors who who teach everything with the pre-recorded videos, they're just like these make-believe people, basically. I mean, they're real, but like you don't ever really get to think that they're real. And that's one thing I love about DCJ is like getting to be, getting to do the hands-on stuff. But then also I think the community and I need you to come visit because now we have a way more kicking community than we used to have. But I, I love it because it's like, you can climb a mountain by yourself, but it's like scary and dark and not as fun, or you can do it with friends and it's always better to do it with friends. And that's one of the things I think you've always done really well is you've just surrounded yourself around with people who care about you, who care about the same stuff as you and who are on the same path as you. And I think that's one of the reasons why you're like, did I ever get discouraged? Not really. I was always, I was doing all right. Exactly. When you're working with other folks, they're like your cheerleaders I mean, it's like you got your own like personal advisory board there too. So you're not by yourself. And otherwise, I don't know about anyone else, but like, there's no one like my family. They don't understand what I'm doing. Like, I can't talk to them about this stuff. So, you know, like this is really all I have in terms of, you know, data stuff. So, I mean, I always try to get people join some sort, at least one private community, because that's, you're not going to, you're not going to regret that, honestly. Yeah. It can be hard because it's, you can learn everything for free. You can like, like I'm never going to say that you like can't learn everything for free, but the point is a lot of it is motivation, mental, and also talking to someone to like give you advice on your exact path, because that's worth so much. I loved what you said earlier that you were focused on finding the people that can help you, you know, that are steps ahead of you that can show you the path. And I'm actually reading this book right now. It's really good. It's called who, not how, which is a really interesting book because it's, if you have a problem in life, you know, a lot of us are tempted, like the school system has basically taught us that we need to answer it with a how, like, how do I fix this problem? But the way that this book presents it is it's actually, you'll get, you'll solve your problem faster. If instead of asking how you ask who, who can help me solve this problem? Because the who's are always easier than the how's and it saves you time. And like you said, like you had this problem of trying to land like a data science job. Right. And it's not like you had to know, you had to know your stuff. Like you you had to know something, but it's not your breakthrough was in the amount of Python you knew or how many like lines of code you had written. It was in your network, right? It was in, you know, finding the right people, talking to them, getting the right opportunity for yourself. It was really at the end of the day when the problem was how do I, or not how I need a data science job. The answer wasn't how, it was who. And I think that's a mindset that I'm trying to get out of myself, even with everything I'm doing in my life, is how do I solve problems with a who and not a how? Does that make sense or did that make sense? No, that made a lot of sense. I mean, because like me, for me right now, if I, if something happened and I was out of a job tomorrow, my first instinct is to reach out to a set of people in my network and say, hey, I'm looking for something rather than what majority of people would do is just start flooding a bunch of like job applications. So yeah, it's who can help you. And I've learned that personally in the past, like several months and leaning on other folks' expertise and being first being knowing and being okay with not knowing everything. And because that has to, you have to 
kick your ego out the door for yeah. that number one. And just, it's okay to ask for help and it's okay to rely on other folks' expertise because everyone would likes to help. Everyone likes to help you. Yeah, for sure. You reminded me of a post I said on LinkedIn yesterday that was basically the same thing. That basically you become a master of data learning when you can say the phrase, I'll never know everything about data and that's okay. And once, once you hit that point, you're, you can become a senior data engineer, which by the way, I mean, if you go look at Kadisha's page, Kadisha, have you been a data engineer before? Not like the title. I would say like at Huma was like a analytics engineering, I would say. Which, which is so cool because it's not about titles at the end of the day, right? It's about, you know, your personality. Have you networked the right people? Do you know the stuff? That's the other cool thing about this awesome data world is it's like you said, you don't have to pay a million dollars or you don't have to be cert. Like my wife's a nurse. She has to be certified to keep her license every year. Like you don't have to do that. You have to know the right people, get the right skills, you know, get your foot in the door. And then you can keep learning on the job. Cause I'm assuming you're learning every day about data engineering. Pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. I know I would be. And I was when I was teaching at MIT, I was like, I didn't know any of this stuff. So anyways, I just think this is awesome because I think you've given everyone a really good example of, you know, how we can go from delivering Domino's pizza to a senior data engineer. I mean, how many, that was 18 months or how long was that? Two years about? So it was summer of 21. Was it summer? Yeah. So, so yeah, like a year and a half. That is crazy. You guys, but Kadisha did it. You could do it too. It's all about, you know, having the base layer of skills, having a portfolio, and then really leaning on the network and the who's in your life that can take you to the next stage. And I think Kadisha, you just did a really good example. I'm stoked for you and your new job. I'm stoked for your community in data in motion and how that's going. I just think you're an awesome example. And I hope to everyone listening, you know, you guys can, you guys can listen to Kadisha's story and be like, if Kadisha do it, did it from a warehouse to, you know, senior data engineer. I can do it too. Kadisha, I'm super proud of you. And just, I'm, thank you so much for being on the podcast. It's awesome hearing your story. Thank you, Avery. Thanks, thanks for inviting me. Also, I hope you know this too. You're like one of the goats of like data mentorship. I think you're the goat in my opinion. Hey, I appreciate that. That means a lot to me. And I appreciate, I, like I said, I'm just super stoked. Any parting words of advice that you'd give to any of the people listening if they want to, you know, break into the data field? I would say... This stuff is the long game. So I know a lot of people, they think with networking, probably don't want to do it because it's, they don't get like immediate results, but this is the long game. If you just, if you break into the field six months from now, understand that there's still a lot more learning to do. You may want to get another opportunity a year later on. And who are you going to rely on? So after you get your first job, please don't get off of LinkedIn always network, always build your network, always continue to talk to people, always continue to build relationships because this is a long game. And honestly, networking is going to be, I, I put networking above upskilling and everything else because that's going to, that's going to pay you dividends far beyond anything else. I'm with you. Uh, you. I couldn't have said it better myself. I call it the SPN method skills portfolio network, but really I wish I could name it the NPS method, but I don't think it sounds as good because I think the network is really important as well. So I love that. And I also love that you said, play the long game. And here you are tripling your salary in 18 months. It's it, That's not a long game to a lot of people in my mind, but you're right. You know, it might take you six months to get that first step, but if you play the long game at the beginning, it's a shortcut to the rest of your career. But anyways, 
I think that was really well said and we'll end it right there. Thanks, Kadisha, for being on and can't wait to see what your future holds. All right. Thanks, Avery. I hope you enjoyed that episode. And if you did, I'm going to have an awesome free masterclass that I know you're going to love. We're going to talk about a lot of things this episode talked about. You can get it absolutely for free at datacareerjumpstart.com slash training or using the link in the show notes down below. Hope to see you there.